Welcome to Fresh Off the Set. I'm Carrie Hawker Diaz. And I'm Sarah Jenkins. And today's podcast is more serious. Of course, we want to hit those serious topics. Um, Sarah, you talked with Laura Fletcher, who is founder and CEO of Sela Fertility. And you also shared your IVF story. I did. You know what? This um, obviously had a really special place in my heart, this episode. I loved talking to Laura. She was just really a wealth of knowledge. Um, She had obviously had um, her own, she was inspired by her own infertility journey and she created, you know, um, her company and she just, it was really fun speaking to someone about such a serious topic who had been through it. And it was really interesting because when I went through IVF to have my twins who are now 17 months old. They are so cute, by the way. (laughs) Hallie and Vienna, um, you know, people take for granted, you know, how easy it is for some people to get pregnant. And then when you are one in five, I believe is the statistic of someone who is going through infertility. It is just such a it's a huge weight and you really feel lost. So I love that. I feel like the conversations are shifting and becoming more and more prevalent and there's more resources for women who are desperately wanting to get pregnant. So, um, my own infertility journey, I, um, I got married. I was really focused on my career for a couple years. Um, I was working in Nebraska anchoring and we weren't not trying to get pregnant. We were just kind of like, let's see what can happen. And after a couple years, I was like, you know, maybe I was 33 at the time. I was like, let's, you know, get checked out myself and my husband and just make sure that we both are healthy. And, um, it turned out that we actually were what they call male factor infertility. So, um, on his end, he had some health things he needed to take care of. And I think that that's something that even within the fertility infertility conversation that is changing and becoming more, common people are learning more about it and people are being more vocal you still don't hear a lot about male factor infertility so um, my husband is over 40 he'd been taking testosterone for a few years and it turned out that can inhibit your ability to um, conceive sometimes so um, he had to go off testosterone for us to even start the IVF process which we were told um, that was recommended Um, uh, the doctor that you see is called an RE, it's a reproductive endocrinologist and you go in and they do a series of tests. Um, and so, yeah, they determined, they were like, you guys will probably be candidates for either IUI or IVF. And we opted to do IVF, which is a little more invasive, but it has higher success rates. So long story short, it took about a year for my husband to be off testosterone. Then they were like, okay, we think that he's healthy. Before you could even start. Before we could even start of me doing the whole series of hormones, injections. Um, For those who aren't familiar with kind of the IVF process, you get shots and hormones and medications where basically they're stimulating your eggs. And then they do actually egg retrieval surgery. Um, They got 22 eggs from me, which is considered a lot, yeah. but then they have to then do the actual IVF process and then they do an embryo creation, which they then transfer. And then you have to fingers crossed after many, many tests and blood and, um, taking your blood and hormones, they basically are constantly monitoring you, um, to hope that the conditions are right to actually be able to conceive. And so after that long, long couple years, we, we're still very fortunate compared to a lot of couples because our first embryo transfer, we got pregnant. And um, I just feel so, so lucky today. And I could talk all day about this because it's obviously something I'm really passionate about and it's personal to me. And I, I think it's great because I know I'm not alone and so many women are um, going through infertility, but there are options and there's hope. And I loved speaking to Laura because she really 
gave so much good information and hope for people. And then when, in fact, you have gone through or you're going through the IVF process, she talks about balancing life and infertility treatments, which I think is really important as well. I can only imagine having to go through all of that, Sarah, and everyone out there that is uh, going through IVF right now and having to balance your life and still, you know, day-to-day things, which still have to happen. Um, So I'm really excited to hear this interview that you had with uh, Laura Fletcher. Should we give you a listen? Let's do it. Good afternoon. I am here today with Laura Fletcher. She is founder and CEO of Salah Fertility. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Absolutely. And today we are talking about all things uh, infertility and the many nuances that really it encompasses from an emotional aspect to, you know, just kind of the whole process. So we really appreciate you being here. Um, Right off the bat, I want to talk about tips that you have for women who are trying to balance life and fertility treatments, because I think it's really daunting for those who are looking at that, who are kind of experiencing this and don't really know where to turn. So let's talk about that. Yeah, that's a great question. And a lot of my clients have this exact struggle. And I also had this struggle of trying to balance life, you know, being a wife, being, um, you know, full-time work, meal prep, vitamins, acupuncture, all of the things that come along with fertility challenges. Um, And I think that one of the most important things that we can do is try to remain present and cut out anything that doesn't feel like it's serving us. So anything that feels more stressful than beneficial to us can definitely go by the wayside while we're trying to navigate fertility and work and all of the other aspects of our life. I think that's so important and so true, you you know, really finding that balance. And let's talk about support with partners, because I think for those who are going through this and they're fortunate enough to have a partner, what are some ways that partners can show up for each other, you know, on both sides during these times of grief or going through the process of, you know, experiencing infertility and facing these treatments? One of the best pieces of advice that I can give is that it is imperative for the partner to understand how their partner receives support and love. So that I think is the the kind of cornerstone to understanding how to show up for them when they are going through fertility treatments or they're going through challenges or they're potentially experiencing grief because of course, you know, alongside fertility often is kind of coupled with this really extreme sense of grief and shame often. So understanding, yeah, it's heavy. It's very heavy. heavy. Agreed. Yeah. And the shame, I love that you touched on that because I don't think really that gets mentioned that often, but people are internalized so many different feelings, right? Yeah, absolutely. And knowing how your partner receives love and support can really allow for you to show up in the correct way. A lot of people go in and think, okay, how would I want to be supported or loved? But really it's not about that. It's about how your partner would want to be loved and supported and asking the right questions, um, you know, really doing some research about potentially like local support groups that they can get involved with, or even that you can get involved with just to show up and support and show that you are invested in this journey as well. I love that. I think that's so great. Um, Obviously, infertility can look like a lot of different things. There's a lot of different uh, definitions of people who are experiencing infertility, but I want to talk about miscarriages specifically. Um, How can we shift the conversation regarding fertility and miscarriages? That is something that I think about every day of my life. How do we 
talk about this in a more compassionate way? How do we talk about it in a, a way that allows for businesses, communities, individuals to show up and create villages of support for people that are experiencing miscarriage? Um, I think that it has to start with transparency and it has to start with compassion and always having the intention of showing up and meeting somebody with compassion can go such a long way and trying to put yourself in their shoes so that you can converse with them openly, authentically, honestly, uh, gracefully, and do it in a way that is, you know, healing and helpful rather than harmful and shaming. I think that's so true. And like, as we talked about before, people have, they carry that shame. And I think um, people around them who are on the other end of the conversation, you know, these partners, these friends, they, they want to support people they know who are going through these really traumatic times, but they don't really know how to shift the conversation. So yeah, I love that. Um, Often they, they show up with the best of intention, right? But I think it's important to recognize that impact trumps intention. So if your impact is not being received the way that you intended, you maybe need to take a step back and reassess where you're coming from and ways in which you can, you know, kind of change the way you're addressing somebody or the questions that you're asking, or potentially in cases, you know, I often see my clients and myself receiving a lot of really harmful, unsolicited advice. Mm. Uh, so, you know, talking about that and really thinking about what's the message behind what I'm genuinely saying here. Sure. And then there are women who are fighting for an explanation behind maybe an unexplained miscarriage or they just, as you talked about, maybe they've received misinformation or they don't know where to turn. Um, What type of advice would you give for them? So it's hard to do, but keep fighting. Keep advocating for yourself. Even if that means you have to take a break from it temporarily to kind of gather up your strength again, Ask the right questions. Educate yourself as much as you possibly can about your body, about your partner's body. That way, when you're going into the doctor's offices, you're asking the right questions and you also anticipate the correct answer. Because if you don't know the answer to the question that you're asking, if you don't have a parameter for what is optimal, then you can't really advocate for yourself in the way that you you could if you did fully understand what was required for successful fertility treatments, successful pregnancy, etc. Right. I think, yeah, being an advocate for yourself is so important because you're your number one and, you know, doctors or people who are kind of treating you, they might give you information, but it's easy to kind of sit there passively, but you really have to be a proponent for yourself. Um, and being aware, <laughs> speaking of, you know, different like the whole process of going through infertility treatments or dealing with infertility. I want to talk about some things women can do. Why should women be more aware of reproductive immunology? Let's talk about this phrase because I wasn't even really sure what it was before I went through IVF. And um, I think a lot of people don't know. So I'm really glad that you're asking this question. I wish every day that I could stand on top of a mountain and shout to the world about reproductive immunology. It is a science. It's a field of medicine that looks very differently at fertility and at pregnancy. And what they're doing is they're looking at how the body 
tolerates pregnancy, whether or not the immune system is accepting a pregnancy or whether or not it's going into this sense of overdrive and rejecting the either the partner's genetic, genetic material, so the sperm itself, right, or potentially the embryo. Oh, so it's really all-encompassing, you know, it's looking at all the different facets of things and knowledge is power, right, having that education. Um, yeah, absolutely. So if you think about it, if you think of an embryo or a fetus as similar in the sense of a of an organ transplant, right? Mm-hmm. So when a person gets an organ transplant, the immune system has to downregulate in order to accept that organ. And it's the same scenario with a pregnancy. The immune system has to downregulate to tolerate and accept a pregnancy. If that's not the case for a lot of women who are under chronic stress, who are potentially experiencing autoimmune disorders, um, their immune system can actually go haywire, go into overdrive and actually attack the pregnancy which can result either in, you know, one of two things. It can result in no implantation at all, Mm -hmm. or it can result in miscarriage. I love that we are talking about this because, as you've said, there are so many different factors, um, you know, physically, biologically, and then also just stress playing a huge role in, you know, an implantation of an embryo when people are undergoing, you know, fertility treatments. And that kind of ties into, we already talked about self-advocacy and, you know, arming yourself with education. But what are some other things that women need to know about really being an advocate when they go to the fertility doctor's office? I think that having a general understanding of what can actually cause implantation failure, what can actually cause infertility, and what can actually cause miscarriage are some things that are really empowering Mm -hmm. so that when you're having those conversations with your OBGYN, your reproductive endocrinologist, or potentially even an MFM, you're able to have these conversations in a, a very real sense about the reality of your particular situation. And once you rule out what I kind of consider the the quote-unquote standard offenders, things like structural abnormalities, hormonal disruption, um, male factor infertility, mm-hmm. then you're kind of only left with a handful of things. And one of those things is absolutely, without any doubt in my mind, the role of the immune system. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. And speaking of which, there are some, we talked about kind of these infertility contributors. What are some controllable fertility factors that people can do when we talk about being proactive? You know, there are things that people can do, right? Again, being in tune with your body and really paying attention to those things. What are some factors? Absolutely. That's such a beautiful question because it gives your listeners actionable steps that they can start implementing right now. So um, a lot of it is lifestyle factors. You know, things like reducing the level of stress in their lives, um, making sure that they're really well hydrated, making sure that they're eating really beautifully balanced meals that have great quality protein, high uh, levels of high quality fats, lots of green cooked vegetables, things like bone broth, things like this are really, really nourishing to fertility. Mm -hmm. And then also things like what kind of products are we using? What kind of pans are we cooking with? Could we reduce some of the toxic load on our bodies? Um, You know, how is the quality of the air in our home? How is the quality of water that we're consuming? And are we getting enough rest? Are we balancing things? We kind of touched on this a little bit in the beginning of the conversation. You know, are there other modalities that we could look into to help regulate our central nervous system? 
things like acupuncture, things like, um, you know, these really beautiful sound baths that are kind of trending right now. Are yes, really I trending. love that. I'm so fascinated by those because I've never been to one, but that, that's just one of many, as you just mentioned, different things that I think a lot of people maybe would, aren't even aware of or realize that they could contribute to fertility and helping your odds of getting pregnant and it's just really beautiful. And I love that there's so many different things out there. And that's part of the journey really of arming yourself with the knowledge, right? Yeah. And it plays right into that concept of advocacy. Um, but again, you know, you want to make sure that whatever you are doing is in alignment with yourself. So don't do something simply because I say do it, right? <laughs> do it right. because it feels good to you and it feels right and it feels supportive. Right. Well, Laura, how can we stay knowledgeable about what we can do? Like people maybe arm themselves with all these different things and facets of trying to contribute to conceiving or having healthy fertility. But um, how do we maintain that knowledge? Do you have some tips? I do. So I have actually written a book about this topic. Incredible. Um, The book kind of encompasses my 10-year journey through infertility, through recurrent miscarriage, through reproductive immunology, and kind of rewiring my whole life as far as, you know, my mindset, my lifestyle, etc. Yeah. Um, so that book publishes October 4th. You can get it on all of the major retailers. The title of the book is The Grace and Grief, Healing and Hope After Miscarriage. Amazing. So Thank that you. would be my first. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for asking about it. Yeah. Um, you know, you can follow me on Instagram. I post a lot of kind of general fertility facts and general support. Um, so that's Salah Fertility Instagram. And then I also have a ton of free resources on my website. I put together a really amazing PDF um, where it basically outlines whether or not reproductive immunology is right for you. Wonderful. Because, of course, it's not right for everybody. But that's a really great free resource that you can grab on my website, salahfertility.com. Let's hear that website one more time. Sure. It's salahfertility.com. Perfect. Well, Laura, you're just a wealth of knowledge and it's been so great chatting with you. I really appreciate you sitting down and talking with us. Obviously, like I mentioned, this hits home for me. I experienced infertility and you obviously, um, I think so many people will benefit from hearing your story. So I thank you again for really sitting down with us today. Thank you. And thank you for having the courage to talk openly about your challenges as well. I know that that could be really difficult. So, you know, you're providing a space for healing as well, which is very appreciated. I so appreciate that. Thank you again, Laura. Congrats, you made it to the end. If you want to continue to freshen up your day, you can watch us on Fresh Living every weekday on CBS Channel 2 in Utah at 1 o'clock. You can also watch us on our YouTube channel, KUTV Fresh Living, and follow us on social media. We will see you next week.